Amen. All right. So as we come to the tail end of this letter, this book, remember the Apostle Paul is writing to a church he was very familiar with. And we've got a great history of the church of Ephesus. We see the, the birth of the church. We see um, the church as it grew. We see um, as Jesus gave a report card in Revelation chapter 2. Um, after decades, uh, the church was in, it was in existence and how Jesus ministered to this church. And so as we read this letter, the Apostle Paul, you remember, began in a specific way. The first three chapters... He reminded the listeners, he reminded the believers, he reminds us this morning of all of the spiritual blessings that are ours because we are in Christ Jesus. Because we've put our faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. We've chosen to follow him. We've given him our hearts. All of these amazing spiritual blessings are now a part of our lives. Aren't you grateful for those spiritual blessings? First three chapters, Paul reminds us of those things. Then the last three chapters... The Apostle Paul now um, teaches us how to respond or how to walk in light of all that God has done for us. Remember, God is always the initiator and we are the responders, correct? We love him because he first loved us. And so in light of all that the Lord has done, what what does a walk look like with Jesus? You've chosen to follow Jesus. Now, what does it look like? To follow him. And so the Apostle Paul, again, has taught us that we are to walk in the light, we are to walk in love, to walk in wisdom, that we are to be people that are continually filled with the Holy Spirit, continually um, dependent upon the Holy Spirit, the strength of the Lord, the sufficiency of the Lord. And, and all of these things, um, all of these things that we're reading about, it goes, goes further than our individual walk with the Lord. It goes right into, remember, the Apostle Paul taught us about marriage, taught us about our interpersonal relationships, our families, um, in the workplace. How does all this work out practically in our everyday lives? And now we get to the tail end, and Paul is talking about warfare, about the spiritual battle that we are in as Christians. Listen, when you, when you gave your life to Jesus, one battle ended. Correct? We were once enemies of God. Right? Whether you realized it or not, before you gave your life to Jesus, you were an enemy of God, a child of the devil. That's heavy, I know. But it's, it's a reality. Going your own way, living to leave, live supremely for yourself living life according to your own plan, you were going the absolute opposite direction of the Lord. I was there too until we surrendered. God wasn't at war with us. God desires peace with us. And then we surrender and that war is over now. We put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. One war is over, but a whole new battle begins. Correct? If you've walked for the Lord at any amount of time, you realize there's a battle going on. Right, And there's a very real enemy called the devil who wants to, um, to derail us, to discredit uh, our testimony, to steal, to kill, to destroy in our lives. Peter said that, that the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He's looking to devour you. But let me remind us this morning, John wrote that he that is in you is greater than he that is in the world. And we begin this section on spiritual warfare being reminded in verse 10, being reminded where it begins. Notice what he says in verse 10. He says, finally, my brethren, be strong in in the Lord 
and in the power of his might. Family, he says, family, listen, be strong in the Lord. The Lord wants to share his strength with us. Isn't that amazing? God has strength. He shares with us his power, his might. The problem so often is we don't look to his strength. We don't look to his sufficiency. Instead, we look to our own. And Paul reminds us, look to the Lord, to his strength, to to stay close to Jesus, to abide in Jesus. In fact, remember remember we were told back in chapter 5, verse 18, to be continually filled with the Spirit, to say, Lord, fill me afresh. I need a fresh filling of your spirit today. I want to be a man or a woman under your influence, trusting in your strength and in your sufficiency. And so he says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And so the Lord shares his power and strength with us. And then he says, put on the whole armor of God, not just part of the armor, put on all the armor of God. Why? that you may be able to stand against the wiles or the schemes or the tactics of the devil. And so now the Apostle Paul is going to tell us about this armor in just a moment, what the armor is we're supposed to put on. But can I remind you guys, back in Isaiah 59, we talked about it last week, is that this is the very armor of God It's his armor that he wants to share with us this morning, that we are to put this armor on as we, every day, you guys, every day we walk with the Lord. This needs to be the habit of our lives, putting on the whole armor of God. And so we need his power. We need his armor. And he says, why? That you may be able to stand. Doesn't that tell you something? If we need to be able to stand, the enemy's trying to do what? To knock us down or get us to run in fear. But God has not given us a spirit of fear or timidity, but power and love and a sound mind. And so we need to understand that the enemy, the devil, has schemes or tactics. Um, it says here, wiles, and we talked about that last week also. If you weren't here, can I encourage you to go back and listen? We talked about the tactics of the enemy, how he wants, again, how he wants to disrupt and destroy our walk with Jesus and and by the way, we're not in heaven yet, are we? There's, there's not a, we will have full rest when we get to heaven. <laughs> but right now, again, rest is coming. But right now, again, um, there is a very real battle. And notice what it says in the next verse. For we do not wrestle. So there's a wrestling going on, a fighting going on. Again, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Can I just remind us again that your fight is not against people? Your battle is not against your spouse. Your battle, your wrestling is not against your neighbors. Your wrestling is not against a political party. Your wrestling is not against the president. Your wrestling is not against Putin or or the Russians. Are you with me? That's not your battle. Our, our, Our battle is not against flesh and blood. Then who is our battle against? Look what it says to me. The text tells us, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. So we are battling against the devil and, his, and the fallen angels. How many angels fell with Satan, by the way? One third. That leaves how many left on our side? Two-thirds, that's good to know, isn't it, this morning? God's math is great. 
But there's, so the devil's got one third, I mean, that tells you how influential he is, by the way, to lead one third of the angels away from the perfection, the glory, and beauty of our Lord in heaven. And so he leads them astray, and there's some kind of, I don't know, ranking, some kind of organization that the devil has behind the scenes where there's a battle going on, and we see the fruit of that in in our everyday lives, this battle that is going on. And so what are we to do? Look at the next verse. Therefore, in light of that, right, take up the whole armor of God. Why? That you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. And so therefore, in light of that, and because there is warfare, because there's spiritual warfare, knowing that our warfare is not against flesh and blood, knowing that God has given us his provision, his strength, his sufficiency, it's, all, it's available to every single one of us, his strength, correct? Is God equal opportunity on that? Is his strength available for all of us? Paul said when he prayed three times about the thorn in the flesh, Jesus responded by saying, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in your, in your weakness. So Paul's like, I'll boast in my weakness in order that God's strength would remain and his anointing would remain upon my life. And so he says, this is all available. Therefore, take up, put on every piece of God's armor, the full armor. Why? In order that you will have the ability, and that word withstand means to take a stand against completely, to hold your ground, Refusing to be pushed back, notice when, specifically, in the evil day. The literal Greek rendering is, in the day, the evil one. In the day, the evil one. Remember, we learned back earlier in chapter 5, we are to redeem the time for the days are... The days are evil, aren't they? Now, the day's evil, you guys. Is this world getting gooder and gooder? It's not, is it? And you watch the news, it's getting more and more evil, more and more wicked. Jesus told us that would happen in light of his return, right? The things that we're seeing would ramp up with more intensity and more frequency. And so in light of that, we're to redeem the time. But there are certain days, I believe what Paul's saying here, there's particular days that are more evil than others. I mean, some of you guys know, spiritual warfare, it's like waves. It's like sets coming in. Sometimes it's real mellow, right? There's, there's, there's attacks that are happening. But then all of a sudden, here comes like this big, big bomb tsunami set coming through that wants to take you out. You guys know what I'm talking about? Like you go, gals, you go to a women's conference or a women's event or dudes, right? You go to a conference and you're, you're on the mountaintop, Right? Oh, that was awesome. Hallelujah. What a Bible study. What a time to, with the Lord together. Hallelujah. And then Monday morning happens, or, and what happens, right? You wake up, cats puking on the floor, toilets jacked up. You got, you know what I'm talking, does anybody know what I'm talking about? It's like all of a sudden you left the mountaintop and you've come to, it's jacked up. But that's when you need to take what you learned on the mountaintop and to walk in it and you've been prepared for that, right? So that the evil day, the, the evil in particular days that are more evil than others. You remember when uh, we're looking at this Sunday night, 5 o'clock. 
Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked for you to sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith would not fail. And when you have returned to me, go and strengthen your brethren. And remember how Peter responded? Not me, Lord. I'm rocky. These, you need to worry about these bozos over here. I'm varsity material, right? I'm the A-team. And what happened? You guys remember what happened? Garden of Gethsemane comes next. Jesus says, watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And Peter and the guys, what, happened, what were they doing during the prayer meeting? Right? Sleeping instead of praying. All of a sudden, now the heat gets turned up, right? Here comes Judas with his detachment of troops, right? Jesus is able to stand. Why? Because he was on his knees in prayer. He's able to withstand. And what does Peter do? Whips out his sword, carnal weapon, in a spiritual battle. You know what I'm talking about? Remember what he did? Lord, should we attack? They don't even wait for a response. Peter just whips out the sword, and what does he do? Chops off some little servant, Malchus's ear. Doesn't go for the soldiers, gets the little servant guy. <laughs> Misses the, that's what, when a fisherman gets a knife, that's what happens. And what did Jesus say? Put that away. You choose to live by the sword, you're going to die by the sword. Jesus gets led away. And it's interesting, we're going to look at this tonight. I don't think it's on on accident. The Holy Spirit pans right onto Peter and what happens with him. It says, Peter followed at a distance. Listen, anytime you're following Jesus at a distance, you're going to be in danger. I don't want to hyper-spiritualize the text, but if you're following, this morning, you're following Jesus at a distance, that's a dangerous place to be. You need to be as close to Jesus as possible to abide under the shadow of the Almighty, to continue to abide, stay close to Jesus, stay close to his heart. And then what happened? You guys remember? They head over to the high priest's house. Peter gets in with John, get a little backstage pass. They get in there, and Peter's doing what? Warming himself by the fire, and there's a little servant girl. Wait a minute. I know you. You're one of his followers, aren't you? What did Peter say? Uh-uh, no way. Whoa, whoa, time out, Peter. Just a little while ago, you said, I'll never deny you, Lord. I'll never, leave. I'll, I'll never forsake you, even if I have to die with you. Now a little servant girl. And then another girl comes up, and the two girls say, you're the guy. You were with him. And Peter says what? He denies it again. I don't, I don't even know the guy. And then the whole group looks at him. Wait a minute, your accent, you, you got that Galilean accent, it gives you what you were with that man. And it says he started cursing. Beep, 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 beep. And right when that happened, remember what happened? Jesus was being led out, face beaten beyond recognition. And then Jesus looks right at Peter, and Peter right at him. And remember, the rooster had crowed, er, 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 right? A cockadoodle do. And that's when Peter remembered the words the Lord said, and their eyes met. 
And I don't think Jesus looked at him and said, oh, you bozo, I told you so. That wasn't the idea. I think it was with compassion. I think it was with love. Peter, I told you, man. I warned you. Why do you say that? Because when Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked for you. And by the way, that should tell us something. The devil needs to get permission before he touches any one of God's kids. That means we have a father filter. And we learned that in Job also. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked for you to sift you how? As wheat. What does that even mean, to be sifted as wheat? You guys know when, when wheat was prepared, when it was taken from the, from the stalk and brought in to be ground down, the, the, the removing of the chaff from the wheat, that's what he's talking about, removing the good stuff from the junk. And there was some pride. We all have a little bit of pride, don't we? Does anybody struggle with pride besides me? That sifting of the wheat was absolutely necessary in Peter's life. And sometimes, guess what? Sifting is absolutely necessary in our lives as well to remove the junk from the good stuff. And that pride needed to be removed from Peter. And Jesus said, what did he say? I prayed for you. Isn't that great to know Jesus is praying? Do you know that he ever lives to make intercession for you, brother or sister? He's constantly praying for you and me. Is that good to know this morning? That's awesome. Ever lives to make intercession for us. But what did he pray? I've, pr- I've prayed for you, not that you wouldn't be sifted. Sifting's necessary, but that your faith would not fail you. That you continue to trust. And when, not if, and when you've returned to me. So beautiful, isn't it? That's where revival happens, you guys. It's always coming back to Jesus. It's coming back to him. You want to see revival in your life, in your home, in your marriage, in your ministry, in your family? You need to come back to Jesus. Jesus said, when you return to me, what did he say? Go and strengthen your brethren. Peter, I'm going to use this in your life to strengthen others. Wow. Isn't that good? Tonight, we're going to look at the rest of the story. How the Lord restored him and brought him back to that place of ministering and into ministry. And so we see, though, that evil day came. Think about David. When you think of the name David, what do you think of? Goliath. A lot of us think Goliath, don't we? And wasn't David, remember, he was a little shepherd boy, and he was strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, wasn't he? Saul tried to offer him all his gear. Here you go. No, 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 no. I'm going to trust in the Lord. And he went out, right? He ran at Goliath with his little sling, right? I think there was an accident right between the eyes. Because some people say, oh, it was, you know, it's David just had the fine skill, precision. For... It's the Lord. David looked to the Lord. This Goliath would be just like those bears and, and, and lions that I take out, protecting God's people, protecting God's sheep. But then there was David and Bathsheba. If you go back and look at that story, David put down his armor, took off his armor. It said, and it says in that text, when you go back, it says, when the kings were out at battle, David was not in the battle. 
and he woke up in the afternoon. It's like he was sleeping in or whatever. He kind of rolls out of bed, cruises out, and all of a sudden, boom, there's Bathsheba. And he walks through, he walks through all of the warnings, all of the, the ways that God tried to deter him, and yet he had left something unchecked in his heart and his life. He left lust unchecked. And, and that's what happens. The evil day comes. We can be playing with something in our minds, you guys. We can be thinking about something that we shouldn't be thinking about rather than bringing that thought captive to the Lord. And you know it's wrong, and I know it's wrong, but we need to bring that thing right to the Lord. Otherwise, our heart, our mind gets desensitized. We get hardened. We, fill, we start to fill our heads with imagery. We leave it unchecked, and no one sees in there except for the Lord. And you can hide it from everyone else. But the Lord sees right into it. And our hearts get harder and harder. We begin to quench the Holy Spirit. And the devil is what? The devil is slandering God, slandering people around you. And then what happens? You've rehearsed this thing in your head so many times, so often. You've left it unchecked. All of a sudden, that temptation comes. The evil day comes. And you don't even need to think about it. Why? Because you've already practiced, you've already rehearsed it. Like Solomon says, like, a, like an ox to the slaughter, boom, you're toast. And so spiritual warfare, look at the enemy is trying to take us out. And God this morning is trying to help us from not getting taken out, from not wiping out. This is so crucial to understand this morning. Because yes, Jesus did win the victory on the cross with his death, burial, and resurrection. But there are battles we face every single day, aren't there? There's battles we face every single day. And the Lord wants to help us win those battles. Look what he says. Having done all to stand. After you've done everything here, you follow the instructions correctly. The power of God, the armor of God, which is to enable you to stand and to withstand. Again, we don't stand in our own strength or determination. We stand in his strength. Stand, therefore, be anchored, be solid. How do we stand? Look at verse 14. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth. What does that mean to have your waist girded with truth? Does anybody have a King James, King Jimmy Bible? Say girt. Having girt. Girt, girt, yeah, girt. Having girt, it means to secure your waist, what ties it all together. And remember, they wore these long flowing robes, even the dudes. Isn't that crazy? They had these robes, and in order to move uh, unencumbered or to run or to be able to move swiftly, you have to hike up your robe and you tuck it into your belt. Does that make sense? And so underneath the robe, by the way, where was Paul when he's writing this? Club Med, did you say? Roman, he was in prison. Chained, we're going to read in just a minute. He was an ambassador in chains. Who was he chained to? Roman guard, right there, Roman soldier. So he's just chilling out and he's writing this letter and he's going, oh yeah, look at the belt. I can help my brothers and sisters apply this. The belt holds it all together. That belt that held everything together, you could, it was also like a utility belt. You could tuck like your, your knife in there, what other gear that you needed, kind of like a police belt. You guys ever seen a police belt? You guys ever seen those? You got like the, holds the flashlight, cuffs, what a, ammo, donut holder. Yeah. Some, some of you guys know what I'm talking about. Hey, still with me this morning, just making sure. Brother Dave's not here, so 
and get away with that one. But listen, the belt is what holds it all together. This is so important. What's the belt? The belt of what? Of truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. I think number one, Jesus is the one to hold it all together. Jesus upholds all things by the word of his power. Is Jesus holding your life together right now? Are you looking to hold yourself together? Jesus is the one. Jesus said in John 17, 17, if you're taking notes, he prayed, Father, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. So the truth should be holding our lives together. The truth of God's word as well. Jesus spoke about the Holy Spirit being the spirit of truth, guiding us into all truth. That's certainly true. We need the Holy Spirit to guide us into all truth. But this word truth, check this out. It means not hidden, not fake, free from falsehood, being real, not phony. In other words, there's a reality and not a mere appearance in your life. The, The idea is that you live a life of integrity rather than something you're not. You're walking in the truth. You're, walk, you're, you're the real deal. And I think knowing Jesus died for me and that he forgives all my sins helps me to live a life in the light. Honest, open, truthful, not playing church, not playing games, not trying to hide stuff. Here's who I am. I am a sinner saved by grace. I am, in much of, I am as much in need of the blood of Jesus Christ as anybody else and the work of his spirit in my life. Is everybody here a work in progress? Has anybody arrived yet? I haven't either. I am in need of grace and forgiveness and the work of the Holy Spirit, just like everyone else here. And you begin to realize that. And then you begin to walk in the light as he is in the light. You don't need to be a phony. You don't need to try to be something you're not or portray yourself as something that you're not. That's hypocrisy, isn't it? Can you answer that for me? Take a message. This is a good part here. So we're honest. We're real. We, we stick with the truth. We're committed to the truth, believing the truth. Not a life of pretending. And listen, truth is what is to hold our lives together. Listen, if you're not living a life of integrity, your life's going to come unraveled at some point. That's not what's holding it together. And what matters this morning, listen, what matters is what God thinks. That's what matters. What does he think? What God thinks is in his word. And knowing the word of God helps us to see what is true, what is false, what are lies, how he wants us to walk with him and to live for him in a real relationship. His word, listen, his word is to be the standard for our lives, the single most important influence in our lives this morning, the truth. And we are to live honestly according to that truth. Having put on, what's next? And having, so stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of what? Of right. So that's kind of like, you guys ever see a catcher with the chest protector? You guys ever see that? That's kind of the idea. You got your protector because it protects your vital organs, right? Protects your heart. And so it's the breastplate of what? What does it say? Of righteousness. So positionally, it speaks of number one, I would say positionally, when you and I put your faith, when you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, were you given the gift of righteousness? Were you given the gift of righteousness this morning? Not not a trick question. This is important. God declares you right with him. 
justified. It's just as if I'd never sinned at all. But not just that. The very righteousness of Jesus Christ is imputed to your account and to my account. Isaiah in Isaiah 60 rejoiced that God robed him in righteousness. It's the Lord who does that. We don't put on our own righteousness, you guys. Do we? No. We we were robed by God at surrender. God clothed us. And listen, that protects our hearts from attack, doesn't it? Knowing I'm right with God. The, the Apostle Paul said to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 1, right around verse 18, he said, wage the good warfare with faith and a good conscience. Man, you can have a good conscience. Why? Because you're right with God. Man, I'm right with God. No matter what anyone says, I've put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. I have right standing with him. And knowing, knowing that we are right with God, our hearts need not to be troubled. It's protecting our hearts. But not just that. Listen, righteousness also refers to doing what is appropriate, doing what is approved, doing what is right, deciding to do the right thing, to live, to live right, on, right on living according to the book, according to God's word. Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for Righteousness, for they shall be what? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be what? They shall be filled, you guys. Timothy wrote, in, or Paul wrote to Timothy, 2 Timothy 2, 22, Flee also youthful lusts, but pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Did you guys catch that? Flee youthful lusts, but pursue Number one, he says, righteousness, doing what's right. Where do I find what's right? In God's word. Reading God's word, knowing God's word, doing the best that I can, trusting in the power of the Holy Spirit to do what the Lord calls me to do. I've decide, but I've decided to do what's right in my life. So the breastplate, put that on of righteousness. And then what's next? And having, look at verse 15 with me, and having what? Shod your feet. What does that mean, shod your feet? Put on, you put on your feet the preparation of the gospel of peace. So you put on your feet, notice it's preparation. Preparation means poised in readiness, ready to meet the opportunity, to step into it, ready because the preparations have been done. We prepare a lot of stuff, don't we? Do you guys prepare a lot of stuff? Anybody prepare stuff? If you got a business meeting tomorrow, are you prepared? Or are you going to go in with, you know, wing it? Some people wing it. Or if you got a test in school, do you get prepared? Usually, you guys do what? Usually the night before you cram. You get prepared? You guys prepare? No, you don't. You know it all already. He says. God is telling you and me this morning we need to be prepared for something, with something. And it's what? The gospel of, of what? What does your Bible say? Of peace, the good news of peace. Peace with God is available through Jesus Christ. The, 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 it's, it's the simple gospel. It's a simple message. Jesus Christ died for our sins on the cross. He paid the penalty for our Peace is available. Not only with God, but God has peace for you. The peace of God. Once you come to know him, you can have peace 
in your life. Listen, sharing the good news reminds us that there is good news. Is there a lot of good news today on the news? Do you hear a lot of good stuff? It's hard to discern what's lies and truth, isn't it? So we have good news to share, and what begins to happen? When you're sharing the good news with someone else, you're reminded yourself of the good news, of what Jesus did. And I was like, oh, Lord, thank you. You rescued me. Are you always welcomed with big hugs and kisses when you share? Oh, come here. Thank you so much for sharing that with me. Such good news you're sharing with me today. doesn't always happen that way, does it? But you're being faithful to share the good news with someone. We, and it reminds us that we were once in that place. We were once dead in our trespasses. I was once a mess because what can happen after you, I'm still a mess, I'm getting better. What can happen is the longer you walk with the Lord, you can start looking down your spiritual nose at people. Can't you? Oh, how could those people do that? How could they be involved in that? How can that person do this? You guys ever do that? Don't lie in church. Come on. And you forget that's where you came from. Oh, maybe you didn't practice it outwardly, but in your heart and mind, or what you approved of, the things you put into your eyes, correct? And it's like, there go I, but by the grace of God, Lord, you rescued me, you saved me. God, you love that person and want to rescue them. And who does he want to use? Guess who he wants to use? Us rescued people rescue people this morning. Right? He didn't rapture you when you got saved, did he? You're still here. It wasn't, let's go. You're saved. It's takeoff time. Right? What did he leave us? Why did he leave us here? To build up our kingdom on earth? Stuff that's going to burn? To see people get saved. To see his kingdom furthered. To make disciples. That's the great commission, isn't it? It's not the great omission. And so... Paul reminds us here, God reminds us here in his word that we are to be prepared, right? I need to be ready with the gospel. How do I get ready? How do I learn? Read your Bible. How do I minister to this religious person? Well, how did Jesus do it? You guys remember John chapter 3? John chapter 3, Nick at night. Does that ring a bell? Nick, uh, Demas. Religion, man, religious man off the Richter. How did Jesus reach out to a religious man? Because Jesus is our example in all things, isn't he? Man, we follow his example. What about someone that's non-religious? How about the next chapter, John 4? Jesus ministers to the Samaritan woman at the... Well, how did he do it? You start to prepare yourself. What about the demoniac that got set free? Jesus said, go back to your hometown, to your friends. What kind of friends did he hang out with? (laughs) Go home to your friends and tell them all the great things the Lord has done for you and how he's had mercy on you. Oh, that's how I can share with all the knuckleheads I used to hang out with? I can go and tell them the things the Lord has done for me and how he's had mercy on me? That's what Jesus told the former demoniac. Just go do that. Did he do it? He did do it. And God worked powerfully. Listen, God wants to work powerfully through your life. He who wins souls is wise, the Bible says. In the book of Proverbs. Am I ready to share God's love with someone? Is there an urgency? Do you believe the gospel this morning? Do you believe the good news? 
The, the power is in the gospel. It's not in you or me. It's not how many sewing certificates I have on my wall or gospel certificates I have. The power is in the gospel itself. Romans 1 is just to share the good news with people. What has God done in your life? He's rescued you. How did he do it? Share with people. How can I bring in, you know, cooperating with the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit's already convicting people of sin, righteousness, judgment to come. Lord, I don't want to get in the way. Help me. Help me to minister to this person. Help me to reach this person because you love them. It's interesting. We had surf camp a couple of weeks ago uh, down at Galveston. And it was so beautiful to see um, when surf camp was getting wrapped up, um, some of the people um, that were with our team, we had a whole bunch of leftover hot dogs. And they took, without being told, without being nudged or encouraged, they grabbed the hot dogs and they went to different people on the beach and shared the gospel with them. That's awesome. Here's how we can connect with these people. Here's a bridge. They like to eat. We got food. They're starving spiritually. Guess what? We have the answer. And so you make a connection with that person. And you know, the Lord says, when you're sharing the gospel of peace, you've got beautiful feet. Did you know that? You may be saying, no way, pastor. My feet are so gnarly. I don't even wear open-toed shoes. Paul writes in Romans 10, 15, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace. God looks at your feet and says, those are some beautiful feet you got because you are preaching the gospel of peace. Listen, some of the angriest, most upset, most bitter people are those who claim to follow Jesus and peace is the furthest furthest thing from their lives. It's so sad. And the Lord wants us to bring peace because we have peace, don't we? We have peace with God, the peace of God. God wants to make peace with everyone, so we need to be prepared. That's what preparation means. How are we doing? Oh, we're doing not good. <laughs> I mean, we're doing good, but we're not doing good. Above all, in addition to all these is the idea, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. So this shield, don't think like, what's the thing you put on a pan when the water's boiling, the little top of it? Don't think like a little shield. This is like a, do- like a door, a big shield that the soldiers would carry. And when they would march together and storm a, a, a castle or a building, they'd all get set together and their shields would build this huge protective barrier because the enemy would be shooting fiery darts at them. And so Paul takes this imagery and says, listen, you all, because he's from southern Tarsus, (laughs) y'all. Take up your shield of faith. Notice it's faith. It's confidence in God. It's simple trust in Jesus and his word. And you will be able, notice this, to quench 90% 90 of the fiery darts. Most. All. You will have the ability to extinguish every single one of those flaming darts the enemy shoots your way. And what does he shoot? Lies, doubt, blasphemy. 
evil thoughts, lust, all those things. And what happens when they're not quenched? They start a fire, don't they? That's what happens when you get burned. And so it's not just a, listen, this is not just a saving faith. This is a living faith. The just shall live by faith. Simply trusting in the Lord. When the enemy shoots those fiery darts of evil to hurt us, to do damage, and what protects us, what shields us, what extinguishes all of those darts is our faith. Our faith defends us against every single attack, all the fiery darts. And let me just point this out this morning. It's not faith in your faith. It's not faith in me, myself. It's faith in the Lord. Maybe you're saying this morning, Pastor, my faith is struggling. It's not too good. What do I do? I feel like I'm getting hit by these fiery darts. I feel like I got that little shield you're talking about. Can I encourage you this morning? Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. So what begins to happen? You start to get into the Word of God, and all of a sudden, boom, you hit a promise. Oh, that's for me. God gave me this promise. Oh, Lord, would you, would you fulfill that promise in my life? And then what happens? Boom, he fulfills that promise in your life. And you're like, oh, wow. That was awesome. And then all of a sudden you read a story that sounds similar to your life, right? And you follow the example that the Lord gives us in Scripture because all of it's for our learning, isn't it? Our admonition and growing. Is it all for us? It is. And then all of a sudden you say, Lord, would you work in my situation this way? Oh, I feel like I'm caught between the wilderness and, and the sea and I'm about to drown. God, would you part the water? Would you make a way where there is no way? And what does God do? He does it in your life. And maybe it's not a huge thing. Maybe it's a little thing. And it's like, wow, Lord, you are faithful. Your word is faithful because it's from your heart to my heart. And what begins to happen? Your faith begins to grow. And it's faith in the Lord. You're dependent upon him. And then now something comes your way. And you're like, Lord, we walked through this before already, haven't we? I'm going to praise you instead of grumbling and complaining and running in fear. I can stick up my shield. Why? Because, Lord, we've been down this trail before. We've logged a history. Do you know you have a history with God this morning? He's been nothing but faithful in your life and in my life. He's never dropped the ball on anyone that has trusted in him, and he will continue to be faithful because his past faithfulness speaks prophetically of his future faithfulness. He will not let down his children. And you grow in that. As you walk with him, you log some time with him, you have a history with him, and you see he's faithful, and you're in the word, and your faith begins to grow, and then these fiery darts start coming, and they're not sticking, they're just... Is that, is that what it sounds like? You don't like pick up the fiery dart and exam. I'm going to study this dart, man. It's gone. Trusting in the Lord. I'm persuaded. My faith is solid. I know what I believe. I'll do things God's way. I'll trust him. I'll trust his word. I'm not just trying it out. Some people say, I'm, I'm just trying Jesus out. You can't try Jesus out. Just trying out Jesus for a while. Either you're in or you're not. And if you're in, the Lord wants to grow you into a mighty warrior for his kingdom. 
If not, man, you're against him. He that doesn't gather with me scatters, Jesus said. You're either for him or against him. There is no middle ground. And so you say, I'm all in, Lord. I'm not just trying you out. I'm going to walk with you. Where else would I go, Lord? You have the words of eternal life. Where else would I go? You know, that's worship, by the way. It's not just singing a, it's not just singing a song on KSBJ or whatever you, someone listens to. Worship means worth-ship, Old English. Worthy. When I trust the Lord, I am saying, Lord, you're worth it to trust you. When I obey what he says in his word, I'm saying, Lord, you're worth it. If I'm saying, no, you know, I'm going to do my own thing, you know what you're saying? You're not worth it, Lord. You're not worthy of my trust. That's not worship. The Lord is looking for those that will worship him in spirit and in truth. And we show him, we demonstrate he's worth it by what? By saying, Lord, I trust you. I'll trust and obey. That's worship. Not just singing songs. Yes, singing songs is for sure because I'm declaring how worthy he is. But trusting him and obeying him, it declares that he's worth it. Do you believe he's worth it this morning? And the more that you study the word, the more you trust him. You trust his promises and his strength and his sufficiency. And we got one more. We got time for it. We do. And take the helmet of, what does your Bible say? Salvation. Salvation. We put on, we got to cover, cover the noggin, right? Cover your nugget. Not just your head, but what's inside, right? Because what's inside is what is crucial. It's your mind. That your, that your head is protected. Your mind is protected. Why? Because the enemy does what? He feeds lies. He tries to get into your head. It's easy to get into our heads with lies and condemnation to bring doubt and accusation. And the helmet of salvation does what? It protects our minds from being penetrated by his games and the things he says and the lies he brings. Salvation means I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Bottom line, I am saved. Jesus died for me and I will proclaim his death till he comes. And when Satan, Satan comes, accuses, you know what I say? I'm going to heaven and you're not. That's all I know. People sometimes try to condemn us and accuse us too, don't they? You can try to condemn me, accuse me. But I am in Christ. I belong to him. I am forgiven. I'm declared righteous by God. I know I'm saved. No matter how I feel or how I fail, I belong to him. My nugget's protected. My head's protected. Listen, can I encourage you this morning? Make sure you know you're saved. Don't go into battle without the helmet. Get right with God. If you're not sure you're saved, do it today. Lock it in. Are you with me? You need to know. Because some people ask them, are you saved? I don't know. That's not a good response. Do you know the Lord wants you to know today that your last breath here will be your first breath with him? He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son does not have life. It's that simple. Do you have the Son? Does he have you? Don't go into battle without having your head protected. Know you're saved today. The Lord wants you to know. In fact, that's why John wrote his gospel, that you would know that you're saved. And salvation is found in Jesus Christ and in him alone. And so armor, the armor protects us from the attack. 
And the sword and prayer, we're not going to get to that. That's the offensive stuff. Can you guys read ahead? You guys can do that? It's important. The sword. What's the sword? The word of God and prayer. The two, right? You don't want to go into a fight with one arm behind. You got anybody here fight? No? Husbands, husbands and wives? You guys do? No, just kidding. Just kidding. Just playing. <laughs> You're going to go into a street fight. It's not good with one hand. I mean, you might get to do some damage, right? But what about with two? Oh, now you're rocking. You get step in the ring with two, not just one. You got the word of God and prayer firing together. Are you with me? Keep them fire, big guns firing in prayer. Get the word out. When those temptations come, we'll look at it next week. Amen? In Jesus' name. Lord, thank you so much this morning. God.